And this is Carrie Gibson. And uh, you can come on out. You know, I'm going to let him introduce a video we're going to show called Run for the Sun. It's a ministry they do. I'll let him explain that. But I, I, we're not going to take an offering at the end. Our church has already decided we're going to support Run for the Sun and give into that uh, a good number there. We're going to try to do that. And if you'd still like to be a part of that, I mean, you can mark on an offering envelope, CMA, Christian Motorcycle Association, Run for the Sun, anything like that, debit machines or afterwards. If you miss the offering bucket, there's boxes at the back. You can put that in. But how about a big hand? For yeah. Carrie, did a great job last night. Looking forward to it today and just appreciate You know, the biggest thing I noticed about your organization is it's just servants. That's what they come. We did a car show, and they showed up. And, man, we had a team, ladies and men, popping tents up in the heat, pulling down, setting up chairs, and just appreciate the heart of the servant. Well, we, am I on? I don't know if I turn. I tried to turn it on. Yeah, on? Okay. Um, we are a servant-based organization. We believe I'm going I'm to just throw this little thing in there. Uh, we believe that for people to listen to you, you need to earn the right to speak to them. And so the best way to earn somebody's ear is to serve them. And Jesus himself said he came to serve, not to be served. And so that is who we are. So thank you. Um, Run for the Sun is the one fundraiser that CMA does, and we do it internally. I mean, we give ourselves and we ask other people to give. Um, each year, we're hitting right about $5 million, just below $5 million. We're going to get $5 million this year. And uh, we give away 60% of it. Now, you're going to hear some goofy guy on this screen here in a minute. And uh, don't, you, you can believe what he says here. Um, he's a real goof. Um, so, but anyway, we give away 60% of it. We, and, uh, we keep 40% to minister. None of the money, none of it, that amount right there goes to the day-to-day -day operating expenses of any organization. All of the money is put to work for Christ and evangelism. So let me let you see this, and then we'll go from there. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be assured of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go into all the world. How is that possible? No person, no church, no organization can do that alone. And yet Jesus was very clear in this command. Only by working together with each of us doing our part and contributing as we are able, will we complete the task. In CMA, we understand that we have to do our part. We're not a fundraising organization. Run for the Sun is the only official fundraising effort we are involved in and we give away more than we keep. None of the money raised is used to fund the day-to-day -day operating expenses of CMA or any other organization. CMA keeps 40%, which we use to reach out to bikers and others throughout the United States and around the world. We go places where others don't or won't go. We reach out in service and look for opportunities to let our light shine. We strive to demonstrate the unconditional love of Christ. Every year, CMA members represent Christ to more than two million people. 
exposing more than 600,000 to the gospel message, with approximately 14,000 of those making the life-changing decision to accept Jesus as their personal Savior. 20% of the money raised is used to support the work of the Jesus Film Project. The Jesus Film has been translated into more than 1,600 languages and shown in 225 countries. Historically, for every dollar CMA invests in the Jesus Film, approximately 10 people see the film somewhere in the world, and at least one accepts Christ. Using these estimates, the support provided through Run for the Sun has allowed approximately 137 million people to view the film, with some 14 million of those making decisions for Christ. These decisions are a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% of the total raised is used to provide transportation. Working through organizations such as Missionary Ventures International, CMA has placed more than 6,800 bicycles, 6,500 motorcycles, boats, horses, buggies, snowmobiles, and at least one camel to pastors working in more than 107 countries. Right now, there are more than 13,400 pastors, evangelists, teachers, and Christian leaders doing their part to fulfill the Great Commission as a direct result of CMA's Run for the Sun. 20% goes to Open Doors, supporting their effort to promote the gospel in countries where being a Christian can get you locked up or killed. One of the greatest challenges to Christians living under tyranny and loss of religious freedom is isolation from God's Word and from the body of Christ. Through our involvement with Open Doors, CMA supports and strengthens suffering believers by providing Bibles and gospel development resources, by supporting the advancement of women and children, and through Christian community restoration efforts. CMA's Run for the Sun is a place where you can invest and know that you'll be participating in something that will result in someone's life being changed. On the first Saturday in May, CMA members across the United States will participate in the Run for the Sun. Through Run for the Sun, you can play a part, and together we can fulfill the Great Commission. You can touch someone somewhere in the world for Christ, but the choice is yours. Will you support Run for the Sun? If someone said to you, if you give $10 to this thing, I can guarantee you someone's life will be changed, wouldn't you want to do it? This is uh, the number, the, the money given over the years is a staggering amount. The total number of people that have, that we know of, and you know, you don't know of everybody, and this is only the first line. A lot of people get saved and they want to go tell somebody. I mean, you know the, what I'm talking about. Well, we know of, we've had reports of more than 26 million people accepting Christ as a direct result of Run for the Sun. So it's, a, it's worth doing. Um, I was in um, De Queen yes, uh, yesterday on the way here and I... I a guy from a man from this church was at the pump next to me. If are you in here? Okay. Back there? All right. That this was uh can I talk about you for a minute? I'm going to because I can't even see you. Uh this, this what's what's your name? 
Somebody's going to have to yell it out. John, no. No, it's not. Don, okay. Because I had, well, here's, here's the thing. As I, was, as I thought about this riding down the road, I said, wouldn't it be something if his name was John? And uh, that's close. <laughs> Your parents almost got you right. Um, well, yesterday, I was getting gas, and I had my helmet on, and I, had, I play music when I'm traveling. And uh, so I couldn't hear anything, but I see this guy right across from me, and he's got a great smile, and he's talking. Well, he's looking at me, so I'm assuming he's talking to me. So I said, hold on a minute, and I turned everything off and flicked this up. And you have a great smile, Don. And he, just, he looked at me, and he said, um, you ride with the Christian Motorcycle Association? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, well, we have a, we have a you guys are doing services at our church this weekend. And, and I did something I, without thinking. I said, yeah, I know, and I kind of pointed at myself. I don't like doing that. But um, here's, why, here's why I'm talking about all this. I'm going to talk to you some today about evangelism, about touching people's lives. And we talked about Run for the Sun, and we, we talked about serving and all of that. In order to have the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, you need a connection. And Don had a connection with me yesterday. He had, he had something that he could open a door to, of conversation with me. And that's the key to, to getting an opportunity to witness to somebody. Look for something in common, something to talk about. Now, in CMA, we have training for that, and we, talk, we tell people, okay, ask about this. If you don't know about that, if there's nothing there, ask about this. And so when you get the connection... You take it to God and talk about it. So, Don, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you, what you did. It was, it was uh, great to uh, see you smile and, and have you uh, invite me to your church. Um, I'm going to pray. In a, when you see me pray, the message actually starts. Uh, I was in, um, some years ago, I was thinking about this sitting down there. Some years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I was uh, able to go speak at one of the Australian national rallies. And they emailed me ahead of time and said, uh, we got two messages for you. I'm not, just, I'm not doing the first one. The, uh, we've got two messages for you. This, my wife's down here, and so I don't, I'm not used to having her with me. So if you, if you see me talking to her, just, it's just between us. The, uh, so I said, sure, okay, I'll do two messages. So I get there, and I do a message on Saturday night. No problem. Uh, nothing happened. It was dull and dry, and I even wanted to go to sleep. Um, so then that night, though, they're talking to me. One of the guys says, will you do the word in the morning, Sunday morning? I said, uh, yeah, I will. I mean, that was the plan. I didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. So they, they gather up. It's at a, at a camp, big campground, and uh, they get, there's this big fellowship hall, and everybody's in there, and so they have breakfast, and when breakfast, at the end of when everybody's eating, one of the guys gets up and introduces me and says, Carrie's uh, going to give us a word this morning. So I gave my prepared message. I preached my message. Dull and dry as a bone. Now, there was a guy, nothing happened, nothing. There was a guy there who had lent me a motorcycle, a classic motorcycle. 
And so after that, I thought I was done. I thought that was the service. It was over. That was it. So I I went to clean up his motorcycle, and I was going to come back later, and I did. I came back about mm, 45 minutes later, and there's nobody there. Not a soul to be found. All the motorcycles are there, but not a person and not a sound. Well, there's a gymnasium where a bunch of people were staying, so I walked over there. All the motorcycles were there, not a person, not a sound. Now, I'm starting to get a little nervous. The, uh, so I walked out to, they had a thing they did at night around a big campfire pit with a fence around it. I went out there, not a person, not a sound. And I'm thinking, Lord, surely I'm not the only one. Some of you will understand that. The, uh, and so I go back to the fellowship hall, and I'm standing there thinking, what am I going to do? I'm sweaty. I had on a T-shirt. I just cleaned the motorcycle. And I hear a voice back in the back. Well, I walk, followed the trail to the voice, and it's the camp manager. He's talking to somebody on the phone. So I said, where is everybody? He said, they're in the fellowship hall. I mean, in the sanctuary. Sanctuary? You got a sanctuary? He said, yeah. I said, where is it? He said, well, go down here, da, 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 da. So I go back, and I come into the, uh, to the worship center, to the sanctuary, and they're singing. There's a guy on stage playing a piano, and they're, they're singing and worshiping and praising God. I thought, okay, they're having a singing uh, time, a worship time. And I'm, I, as I walk in, he finishes one, the, a song, and I'm standing in the back, and one of the guys gets up and says, before Carrie gets up and gives us the message for today, we're going to do one more song. I got nothing. I run back to find a little corner room so I can at least tuck my shirt tail in. And I came back, and when they finished the song, I went up. I had to borrow a Bible, which I didn't use, but I borrowed it. I intended to use it. And when I stood up there, I confessed to them that I thought that what I did that morning was supposed to be the message. And one of them said, yeah, we thought you went a little long. The, uh, it was just supposed to be a little word, you know, just a little word. So I said, but I've got nothing. I have prepared nothing. I'm standing here with nothing. But that's Okay. Because Jesus said, and I tell people all the time when they talk about witnessing, just go and tell what God has done for you. So let me tell you what God has done for me. And I went through my life and some of the things and the bad things I've done and how God opened some doors of opportunity. And I just poured it out what God has done for me personally, what he's done to save me and what he's allowed me to be a part of. And so at the, at, at the close... Everybody's crying, including me. 17 people accept Christ. We had a powerful thing. Here's my point. I did two messages. They stunk. God did one, and people's lives were touched and changed. Let me pray. Let's pray. Father, we come and we thank you that you love us and care about us. We thank you, God, that you've made a way that we can be right with you no matter what we've done. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I ask you, God, to speak. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint ears to hear and hearts to receive only that which is from you. I ask you, God, to remove me from this picture. I ask you, God, to speak. And I thank you, Lord, 
I thank you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Come be with us. Come dwell with us. Push me aside and you take over. In Jesus' name, amen. It takes me a little longer to get up than it used to. Um, I want to, yeah, I think I'll do this. I want to tell you up front that on the scriptures that I read, they're not going to try and follow me because in most of them, I condense them. Uh, I, I go from this verse and I skip a few verses and I go here. So if you are a Bible scholar, um, please forgive me because you're going to think, wait a minute, he forgot that. No, I didn't. I did it on purpose. Um, in, a, in Ezekiel 37, 1 through 11, Let me, let me, I thought I'd put it on there. Hey, I'm a, not a professional preacher, just in case you wondered. So, uh, bear, work with me. Okay, 37, 1 through 7. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds. Son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these bodies so they may live again. You've heard it, the valley of the dry bones. I picture that in my head. I picture being in a place full of just bones. And I picture watching them come together. And I picture watching their bodies form again in the flesh. And they come to life, they breathe. But I'm here to tell you that that's still happening today. There are plenty of dry bones walking around amongst us. There are people who are just as well be dead and rotten as even be alive. And the, and the message is the same that, he, that God spoke to Ezekiel. Speak this word to them. Go and tell them about life. Take life. Speak life into them. Now, how many of you can honestly say uh, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you can honestly say that God has taken a hold of you to the point where you would be that obedient? God is asking us the same question. Can these dry bones live again? The answer is yes. 
they can. Now, I used to wonder what my calling was. I had people all around me saying, this is when I was really just starting to try and get my life on track with Christ, trying to be the man he called me to be. What's your vision? I don't have one. What's your purpose? I don't know. But one day as I was worried about that and I was thinking, you know, I can't be right with God. I don't have a vision. I don't have a purpose. And then, I, then it hit me. All I had to do was listen to Jesus. My purpose and my calling is the same as your purpose and your calling. Now, there's others, other things. You can have more than one calling. But all of us as Christians, every one of us, if we call ourselves a Christian, if we are a Christian, then we have a responsibility to share the life-giving message of Jesus Christ to all the dry bones around us. And in some cases, you won't see anything. But in some cases, you get to see it happen. I can tell you, I could stand up here all day. I won't. Stand up here all day and tell you stories of things. But let me tell you this one. There was a guy. He, uh, he I first, Debbie and I first met him on our, the first time we really worked with CMA on a poker run. And that's a game they ride around, collect cards, and whoever gets the best hand at the end wins the prize, the money. And so I was sitting there, and people came up. They'd say hello and all that. But this one guy came up, and he stopped. His name was Randy, but everybody called him Panhead. He was a nice, well, he drove a Panhead motorcycle. Some of you know that, what that is. Um, it's an old Harley Davidson. The, he was friendly. He was nice. He was drunk. But he was, come to find out, he was always a little bit drunk. He spoke, and he welcomed us, and he said, thank you. And he was really the only one that did that. And over time... We got to know him, Debbie and I and the rest of our chapter. We got to know him, and uh, we built a little bit of a relationship. And some of us would talk to him about Christ. Well, he didn't want to hear it. He would listen because he was a polite guy, but he didn't want to hear it. Then he kind of got sweet on one of the girls in our chapter. So he started riding with us. And one day we were on a ride, and we went out on the Natchez Trace, and we pulled in at the reservoir, big lake, and we're all sitting there talking, and I don't know why it happened, but I ended up talking to Randy and Liz. That was the girl he was kind of sweet on. I said, let's take a walk. So we walked over a little bit away from everybody, and we got to talking, and as I try to do I try to take every conversation to where are you with God? How are you with God? How do you stand with God? And I did that, and this time he was receptive. He listened. And I talked to him for just a minute, and I said, Randy, Panhead, do you want this in your life? He said, I do. I do. I really do. And so just the three of us, we prayed the prayer of salvation with him. And he almost fell down. He fell back on his motorcycle. And he's saying, What's, I, I don't understand. I can't hardly breathe. What's going on? I got to see the breath of life come into him. I got to watch it. You're going to think I'm a nut and I really don't care. But I saw a glow around his head. He was shining. He was 
different inside. Now, he was an alcoholic. He had some drug problems. And those problems eventually killed him. But here's the thing. Life will kill you. Jesus Christ will let you live forever. And so he tried. He struggled. He struggled with, his alcohol, with the alcohol. And he finally died. It killed him. But here's what I know. I know that his salvation experience was real. I saw it. I saw him before and after. I knew him. I knew that he would call me and say, come over here and pray for me. I know, I know, I know, I know that God healed him eternally. So I got to see it. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you get to see it. Um, and it's very clear. That I told you a while ago, standing in, Aust in Australia, I said, I got nothing. So let's do what God said. Let's do what Jesus said. Go and tell. Now, I'm telling you that. I'm going to talk about it for a minute. But I'm telling you that. If you are a Christian, get it in your head. God has said to you, Jesus has, says, has said to you, go and tell what God has done for you. He'll put the opportunities in front of you. All you got to do is open your mouth. He'll even give you the words. I could tell you some stories about that, but I won't. In Matthew 28, 19, therefore, the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. In Mark 16, go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In 2 Timothy, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Now I'm going to go on in just a second, but I want to tell you something that happened there. 2 Timothy, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. As I, was, as I said, I was, there was a period of time in my life, and I'm still living it, when I was trying to be the man that God wanted me to be. I was trying to be obedient. I had figured out that the calling of evangelism is on everybody's life. Somehow it's on everybody's life. And I had, I had gotten drafted into the Gideons. Um, that's, a, that's a whole other story. But uh, Gideon, the, um, uh, they're a great organization. They are great organizations. Support the Gideons. They are a great organization. So I had one of their little Bibles in my pocket. I wasn't in CMA yet. I had one of their little Bibles in my pocket, and I'm on an airplane. I used to fly a lot. I'm on an airplane, and I'm about mm, three or four rows on the left side of the plane in front of this drunk guy on the right side of the plane, and this really nice, wholesome, attractive young lady went and sat by him. She was a professional person, I could tell that. And he's drunk. He's babbling and carrying on. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get up. I'm not thinking anything spiritual. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go trade Alfred, that young lady, to change seats with her. And as I was seriously getting ready to do that, I heard him say this. I'm going to live with my sister in Chicago because I'm dying. He said he has some form of something, and he was dying. He said, I have no family. She's the only one I've got, and she's going to let me go there and live the rest of my life, which is apparently very short. Well, first off, I felt like a heel. I had to repent and God said, go give him that Bible and tell him I love him. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Go hand him a Bible and tell him I love him. 
But the airplane is full of people. I didn't do it. I said, God, here's what I'll do. If he's still there when I walk by, I'll stop and give it to him and tell him you love him. He was right there, and I went right on by. I said, God, okay, 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 I get it, God, I'll do this. I'll stand at the end of the concourse, and when he comes out, I'll hand him the Bible and tell him you love him. And he rolled right by me. I didn't do it. And so I'm, as I'm walking down the hall, I said, God, if you'll put him somewhere where I can go talk to him, if you'll stop him, I'll give him the Bible and tell him you love him. The girl rolling him in the wheelchair, the Delta lady, she rolled him right into the edge of a room and left him, and there he was, and I walked right on by. As I'm going down the concourse, I'm hearing clearly all I asked you to do was give him the Bible and tell him I love him. Is that too difficult? Now, God might speak to me different than he does you. He's called me a dummy a few times. The, uh, in love, the, uh, no, I'm, don't, don't get worked up over that. But I stopped, and I said, God, I am sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going back. I don't care where he is. I don't care who's around him. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And as I turned around and walked back and I go down that concourse, there he is in a wheelchair in the middle of the concourse all by himself, not a person anywhere around him. And I went up to him and I handed him the Bible and I said, God told me to give you this Bible and to tell you that he loves you. And he just looked, he looked at me, he had this look on his face. I did that and I walked away. But I was obedient to God. Now today, things would be a little different. I would be talking to him. I would be asking him about his situation. I probably would have told, got up and asked the girl if she wanted to trade seats because that would have given me an opportunity to talk to him about having a right relationship with Jesus. But I was obedient to what God told me to do. He said, just give him the Bible and tell him I love him. I'm telling you that story because as a Christian, I just said that all of you, all of us who are Christians have a responsibility to be a part of spreading the gospel. God will not push you to a place beyond your capability. He will take you where you are and use you and grow you. But the first step is be obedient. Be obedient. Okay, Matthew 10, 7 says, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Luke 9, then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God. Luke 9, six, verse 60. Listen to this now. This is the New Living Translation, but listen to this. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. We're called to speak life into the dry bones of the world. Now listen, listen close. Understand this. You can't give somebody something you don't have. You cannot give somebody a life-changing message of Jesus Christ if you haven't had a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. You can say the words. There are people who say the words, but you're not giving them something. You're not really giving them life. You're just speaking words. Now, God can use you if you are 
God is God. But you have to get, you have to have it yourself. First, you have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. John 6, 26 through 29. Don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me his seal of approval. This is Paul speaking. Uh, John speaking, I'm sorry. They replied, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus said to them, pay attention. The only work God wants from you is believe in the one he sent. The one requirement, the one requirement that God has for us, the one expectation is that we believe in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. Now, gets a little bit more after that. Um, later in verse 40, I mean in, in John 6, it says, Jesus said, if you believe in me, do the things I do. Now, if you're like me, the first time I read that, the first time I heard it, I thought about healing sick, raising the dead, speaking life into uh, dead people, you know, that stuff, the miracles, turning water into wine, which I wouldn't do. But, the, um, but then it dawned on me one day that, no, that's really not what it means, although all those things are possible. What that really means is live like I lived. Treat people like I treat people. Be the kind of man that you see in me. Serve, because he, Jesus didn't come to serve. So God says, the only thing that I expect of you is believe in the one I sent, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you believe in me, do the things I do. Pretty simple. Sounds simple. In Daniel 1, 8 through 15, I'll read it before I say it. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. <clears throat> now God has given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I am afraid of my lord the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths, your age, I am afraid the king will have me beheaded. So Daniel asked him for 10 days. He said, just let us try it for 10 days. At the end of those 10 days, if, we, if you can see a difference in us, that we'll eat whatever you put in front of us. He, Daniel said, I, I almost didn't want to read this because this part. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, at the end of the 10 days, see how we look. Daniel, at the end of those three days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. Now, what am I trying to say in that? I'm saying this. You have to be different. You can be in the world. Just don't be of the world. We go, and we've lost some members for this, but we do not tell our members, don't go in a bar. If there's an event in a bar and you have the opportunity to go in there and witness to somebody, go. That's what we tell them. If you're uncomfortable with that, don't go. It's a personal choice. I, when I was president of a chapter, we were trying to build a relationship with some of the really, 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 really hardcore uh, bikers in the area, the clubs, some of the clubs. And we heard that they were having a gathering at this bar in town. Just happened to be called the Capri, but that doesn't mean anything to you. And so I said to 
the chapter. I said, I'm going to go. Anybody that wants to go is welcome to go with me. I got a call that night from one of our members saying, we shouldn't do that. I said, I said, Dan, we aren't doing it. I'm going. And anybody else that wants to go with me is, can go. But this is not something that we're encouraging everybody to do. He said, no, no, no. We should not do this kind of a thing. I said, Dan, I'm going. And anybody that wants to go with me is welcome to go. How about do this for me? How about pray that if I go in alone, I come out with more than me? Help me deliver somebody from that. He said, no, if this is what CMA is, I'm out. So he and his wife quit. Uh, There's a lot of stories that come as a result of that first move. I don't have time to tell you. But there's a lot of life-changing stories that happened because of that. So we have to be different. People have to see something in us that they don't see in their lost neighbor, that they don't see in their own life. There's a horrible, it's better now because, well, I'll I'll explain that in a second. There was a horrible motorcycle rally down on the uh, coast. I see that clock. Um, And we went down there one year. We set up a booth tent, gave away water. It's four days of debauchery. Sodom and Gomorrah has had nothing on this place. We just did what we did. We gave away water with scriptures on it. We talked to people if, if they'd let us. We, gave, we did a service on Sunday morning with a lot of uh, noise all around us. Sometime I'd like to tell you that whole story. But So we finished. A couple of days later, I get a phone call. Guy, I didn't know anything. I didn't even know who he was. He introduced himself and he said, I want to tell you that you guys changed my life. I said, that's interesting. How, what happened? He said, well, I was prospecting for a club. He named the club, a big club, hardcore club. And I kept seeing you guys over there. And you were laughing and having fun. And you were treating people good. You were enjoying what you were doing. I saw something different in you. And I thought about that. This is him talking. I thought about that on my ride home. And I just want to tell you that I stopped on the side of the road. I took that prospect patch off my back. I committed my life to Jesus Christ, and I would like to be a part of CMA. Nobody said a word to him. We were different. I'm going to have to wrap this up. Man. (laughs) That's a lot. Maybe I'll finish it five years from now or something. So anyway, let me just sum it up this way. You got to be different. You got to stand for something. People have to know that you're standing for Jesus Christ. You got to be obedient. I talked about that. And then we must let God be God. It's John 6, 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. God has a calling on your life. Now, he's got callings I don't know about, but this one I can guarantee you, if you are a Christian today, I can guarantee you, you're called to go proclaim who he is to a lost, hurt, and dying world full of dry bones. And in some cases, you'll get to see those dry bones come to life again. But you can't do it. 
You can't give them something you don't have. You cannot really present Christ if you don't know Christ. So I'm going to ask you right now to examine your own hearts. Do you know who Jesus is? Are you willing to hand that Bible to that guy in the middle of that airplane? Do you want to? It Maybe you're not, you're willing to be willing. Examine your life. Where are you with Jesus? Let's pray. Heads down, eyes closed, please. If you don't know Jesus, you could have, you could be a pastor. You could be, you could have, you can be wearing a CMA patch. You could have been proclaiming to be a Christian your whole life, and really and truly, you don't have that relationship with Jesus. If you want that today, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. If you've walked away from your relationship with Christ and you want to come back and you want to be in right standing with God, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you want to be used by God, if you want to go and tell, but you just don't think you have it in you, but you want to, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in your heart because this is between you and God. Lord Jesus, I come to you now. I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I've been living life my way, not your way. I want you to save me, Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I believe you've conquered death. I want to be the person you've called me to be. Help me, God. I cannot do it alone. Save me. Guide me. Use me. In Jesus' name. Head still down. Eyes still closed. Jesus was very clear in this. He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before the Father. If you prayed that prayer for any reason, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and acknowledge it to me. I'm looking. Thank you. Thank you. you put your hands down. Father, you know our hearts. Some of us made commitments that we acknowledged. Some of us made commitments that we didn't acknowledge. Some of us just said, God, show me what's real in this. Whatever it is, Lord, help us to be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer that prayer, for any reason, there are going to be some people over here that you can come pray with. If you accepted Christ as Savior of your life, I beg you, please tell somebody over there and let them pray with you. Thank you. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big round of applause for using him today to stir us up. Amen. You know, our altar team is going to be coming up here. And if you want prayer for anything, uh, please come up and we'll continue to pray with you. But especially if you made a decision for Christ, if you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, if you need to get back on track, man, stop over at that cross and we'll pray with you there. There's just something about walking out of your seat, leaving your old life, and walking toward that cross, walking toward God. And just, just kind of bow in there and say, Lord, I'm giving you my life and trusting you with it. Amen. So let's stand on our feet. Pastor John, uh, Wanted me to remind everybody, he will be back next weekend. He's been a, a couple weeks in Mississippi uh, helping his, his father with the uh, the harvest right now. So he's been out in the big green tractor and, and driving around. And so continue to pray for him and, and Pastor Linnell. He'll come back fired up and fresh and ready to go. And about that time, hopefully, we'll be starting our building program and, and be ready to roll. Don't forget prayer tonight. 
I mean, it's just a powerful time. It's 6 o'clock. So let's go ahead and worship one time. We sing through it, and then you're welcome to dismiss yourself. But our altar team, come on up right now, prayer team, and we'll pray with people in the cross if you need to get things right with God. God bless you.